the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, June 6th. It's part two of our two mini break Tuesday, breaking down everything that's unfolded over the last 24 hours at the 2023 French Open. Now, some of you may be asking yourself, why did we need two podcasts to cover all of Tuesday's action? Well, it's because we had to spend one episode exclusively previewing a match. I'm going to allude to as one of the matches of the decade, certainly our most heavily anticipated men's tennis match of the 2023 season, now officially set to occur at the French Open as Novak Djokovic will take on Carlos Alcaraz in one of our two men's single semifinals on part one of today's show. We break down how each man got to the semifinal round of play. We talk about Djokovic's four-set victory over over Hatchinov, Alcaraz's straight set win over CT Pass. We talk about the tactics we expect each man to employ in their semifinal bout. The stakes up for grabs in this semifinal battle as well. I say we in reference to that podcast because, of course, my dear friend Gil Gross joined me on the show to break down everything that happened on Tuesday in the men's singles draw and, of course, everything we expect to unfold in that Alcaraz-Djokovic battle. And certainly I will offer some updated thoughts on that match when I have another 24 hours to digest the matchup tomorrow All of that said, we needed two podcasts here today because, of course, we had an exciting day of men's singles matches. We also had two exciting women's singles quarterfinals that I want to break down for all of you tennis fans here on this edition of the show. Of course, each of the matches were straight set victories, yet each of them offered insight into how we might expect this 2023 French Open to continue to unfold. Of course, it started... Actually, I don't know chronologically, but it's going to start here on this show with Arena Sabalenka, a straight set winner over Alina Svitolina. Did Sabalenka play her best tennis? She did not. Has she played her best tennis in Paris to date? I would argue the answer to that question is no. Nevertheless, Sabalenka looked like herself. She looked the part of number two seed, of prohibitive not singular favorite, pro- prohibitive favorite to reach the finals and face Iga at this stage of the event. And I mean, look, credit to Svitolina. What a three-week run she has put together. And I actually think her level of play, I'm not sure if it's as good as it was when she was at her very, very best 2018-2019, but it certainly looked awfully close to it. And for her to reach this level this quickly in her comeback to the tour post-pregnancy It speaks to what the uh, sort of athlete she is. It speaks to what sort of worker she is. Uh, It speaks to her character as well, just again, to put in that sort of effort on the court, what that requires. She was exceptional all tournament long, but Sabalenka's power is overwhelming. That was the story of today's match. I'll elaborate on what I mean here on today's show. And then, of course, as I previewed yesterday with David Gertler, I'm not sure there's a more athletic player on the WTA Tour right now than Carolina Mukova. I'm not saying there aren't equal athletes, but the combination of explosiveness, touch, creativity, just all the components you look for in a well-rounded, special sort of talent 
in our professional game, men's or women's side. That's what Karolina Mukova is. That's what she brings to the court every time she steps onto it. And much as I anticipated the totality of things she could do to make Anastasia Pavlochenkova uncomfortable, it overwhelmed the 2021 French Open finalist. It's how Mukova was able to advance in straight sets. And again, I'll elaborate on what I mean by that as well. Now, I'm going to save my previewing of Sabalenka Mukova until tomorrow. The reason for that is I think we're going to have another rocking guest on tomorrow's show and it should be just a one podcast day tomorrow so I suppose that might make your life easier as the listener but I don't know why it took me so long to struggle through that sentence the point is again this will be a shorter part two here of the show today as I just have two match breakdowns for you Sabalenka over Svitolina Mukova over Pavlochenkova of course before we get to it a shout out as always to all of you listeners who trust us here at Crack Rackets to guide you through everything happening across levels in the tennis world junior level collegiate level professional level not just the ATP and WTA tour as well, right? ITFs, Challenger Series. We appreciate your trust in our coverage. It's why we're afforded things like the opportunity to cover so much of the NCAA tournament in May, both team and individual events. It's why we are thrilled to be a part of the SoCal Pro Series, and we're able to shine a spotlight on all those exceptional seven ITF 15K events happening over the next seven weeks. Now, I suppose we have one in the rearview mirror. A shout-out to uh, our winners from week number one, Colin Sinclair, the former All-Ivy League standout at Cornell. He wins title number three in singles of his career. We had on the women's side... uh, uh, first win for Megan McCray, the 27-year-old in doubles, Cayetano and Shiv, Anthrop and Nakashima, Bryce, not Brandon. But to watch that level of play, to see how high quality the level is, to watch these young players as they continue their ascent up the pro tour, it's why I will know about them when they all inevitably do make their breakthroughs because we have the chance to watch them now. And you can watch them now as well as we have coverage of every championship weekend of the SoCal Pro Series, semifinals Saturday, championship Sunday in singles, championship Saturday matches in doubles as well. You can watch it all unfold, typically from like 1 p.m. Eastern to 8, 9, 10 p.m. Eastern time for free on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. A shout out to our dear friend Chris Boyer. A shout out to our friends at the USTA SoCal uh, Enterprise. And again, we're really excited to be a part of that series. So be sure to check out our coverage uh, on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. And last but certainly not least, a shout out to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. Promo code is CR15. You all know the deal. Best equipment, lowest prices, one location, tennis-point.com. Promo code is CR15. All right, let's talk about Tuesday's French Open women's singles quarterfinal matches. Let's start with second-seeded Arena Sabalenka. I'm well aware Sabalenka has yet to lose a set in this 2023 French Open. I believe I was the one who yesterday on this podcast with David Gertler made that exact case when he was forecasting some doubt for Sabalenka today. My argument was, yeah, she's played poorly, but she hasn't dropped the set. She's managed to do what she's needed to do to advance through this event. And look, there's no doubt it has been an advantageous draw for Arena Sabalenka. She hasn't faced a top 20 seed, let alone top 15, top 10 seed, right, in wins over Kostyuk, Sh- uh, Shimanovic, Rakimova, Stevens, and now Svitolina, all in straight sets. Yeah, she hasn't faced a significant seed thus far, but she also hasn't seriously been tested 
thus far through this French Open as well. And with all due respect to Alina Svitolina, who I'm well aware was up a break in the second set of today's match. That said, to those of you who watched it as I did, did you feel like Sabalenka was ever really tested throughout the course of this match? I mean, certainly looking at the statistics, you see, you learn what we saw with our eyes in this match. Svitolina hit seven total winners to Sabalenka's 30. Now, yes, Sabalenka had 37 unforced errors to Svitolina's 12. But this match was played on Arena Sabalenka's terms. When Arena Sabalenka wanted to pull the trigger down the line to try to end the point, she had the opportunity and the ability to do so. And, you know, opportunity, meaning the ball was located in a reasonable enough position for her to make that decision. And ability obviously speaks to her skill set, forehand, backhand, wing. It doesn't matter if she wants the down-the-line ball and has her feet set. She can hit a winner on any ball or any opportunity that generates itself for her. I mean, again, where was the opportunity where you felt to yourself, oh, Svinolina's really got a shot to run away with this match or take a set and really steal momentum away from Alina, uh, from Arena Sabalenka? I don't think it happened in the first set. Like, I'm well aware Svinolina, um, or excuse me, Sabalenka, Svinolina were on serve for all in that first set. I, I understand that. I think a lot of that had to do with the unforced errors coming off of Sabalenka's racket. Again, 30 winners to 37 unforced errors. She's minus seven. I believe she's hit fewer winners than unforced errors in all but one of the matches she's played so far in her five victories at this event. She's been a little off center, and it's a slower clay court. It is a little bit harder for anyone, even Arena Sabalenka, to generate winners at will on this surface. The matches get a little bit more physical. She's pushed and was certainly pushed in this match and forced to hit extra balls because you do have a little bit more time to chase things down. And, you know, again, for Svitolina, who does go up an early break to love in that second set, it's because there were a wave of unforced errors from Sabalenka in that love one service game. And it came after Sabalenka had a couple of breakpoint chances in Svitolina's opening service game. So it was a little bit of a mental late, you know, let up, let down, no doubt, from Sabalenka to go down to love. But what did Sabalenka do? She immediately rips off four straight games from that position. And she never turns back in the course of the match. Again, ultimately a 6-4-6-4 victory for Arena Sabalenka. Look, again, Svitolina's moving really well. I thought she was playing with great depth out of her corner. I just think she's hitting her forehand cross court uh, more aggressively. Maybe that's a byproduct of necessity. The stamina is not entirely where it was back in 2018, 2019 quite yet. Although, again, the first step, the fluidity in the corners... That ability to extend rally, she hit a bunch of just low, I would say, slices that got Sabalenka off center and forced Sabalenka into some of those 37 unforced errors when Svitolina was able to extend rallies. But again, Sabalenka's moved so well on this clay court. I mentioned that renewed pace for Svitolina. She still only hit seven winners in this match. And you know, again, it felt like any time Arena Sabalenka wanted to step up, take advantage of an Alina Svitolina serve. You know, Svitolina wins just 42% of her second serve points in this match, but only 64% of her first serve points. And I say only 64%. She made 71% of her first serve, and she sort of abandoned going for pace and chose more for spots to try. She really hit slice wide on the deuce, kick wide on the ad, 
just about on 80% of serves, and that was just to create space to open up plus one opportunities and, more importantly, to force Sabalenka's first shot of the rally after the return to be a shot Sabalenka had to hit on the full run. I thought Svinolina played with good tactics. She did the right things to force Sabalenka into some errors, but she just didn't have a weapon to hit Sabalenka off-center with, and if you don't have that, Sabalenka finds her way to enough winners or overwhelms you with her pace that she's just able to evaporate leads. Case in point, final service game of the match. 6-4-5-4, Sabalenka serving. Love 30. She goes down uh, a quick love 30, by the way, makes two sloppy errors on her way to that love 30. And you think to yourself, okay, you know, this is the Sabalenka of old creeping in, a couple of loose errors. Now Svitolina is going to find a way to get the break back. Now we've got a match on our hands. What does Sabalenka do the next three points? First serve, unreturned, 15-30. First serve, easy plus one forehand, 30-all. First serve, easy plus one forehand, 40-30. Now, was Svitolina able to fight off a match point? Yes, but, you know, again, that love 30 deficit was erased in less than seven shots off the racket of Arena Sabalenka. And that's just the plus one discipline and plus one success rate she has had all season long. I mean, you look for Arena Sabalenka now, the numbers are laughable. Sabalenka in this 2023 season, 34 and 5 now overall in the year. She's won 87% of her matches. She's number one in the live rankings. And if Sviantek doesn't go around further than Iga, she will become Arena Sab. Uh, excuse me. If Sviantek doesn't go around further than Sabalenka at this French Open, Sabalenka becomes your world number one. She's number one in the points race and will probably, I believe, be number one in the points race regardless of what happens in this tournament. Yeah, right now in the points race, even if Sviantek were to win this event, Sabalenka will still have accumulated more points than her here in 2023. I mean, we can go even beyond that. Like, yeah, 34 and 5 is ridiculous. She's one of, what, four players right now? One of three players, excuse me, to rank top 15 in both hold and break percentage. And that list is Iga, Sabalenka, and Krechakova. And Iga's the only one to rank top 10 in both. But you can go even beyond that. Arena Sabalenka, 129 and 50 since tour play resumed in August 2020. But maybe even more impressively in that stretch at the Slams, 40 and 9 overall. She's made the semifinals or further now in five of the last seven majors that she's played. That's a ridiculous run of consistency. And in an era that has been defined by inconsistent slam successes, you look at Andrescu in 19, Kennan in 20, Raducanu in 21, with, and there are other names, Fernandez and, you know, other players, Trevisan and Zidanezic, who have had semifinals thrown into the mix as well. In an era defined by inconsistency, Sabalenka's won an Australian Open. She's made a Wimbledon final. She's made U.S. Open semifinals. She's made now French Open semifinals as well. By the way, like she's done it everywhere. On top of all that, Indian Wells success and tour finals final. That's the by the way there. And again, right now she's number one in the live rankings. And Iga has to beat her at this French Open or get around further than her if she hopes to sustain her number one ranking 
it speaks to the level we've seen from Sabalenka, not just this year, but for three years now. And obviously, all of the pieces have come together this year, but it's been a rising tide, a slow rising tide. And I've talked about it at length here since being on that Osterva Linz late November 2020 grind where she wins back-to-back titles and goes into 2021 in such ridiculous form. That's when I was willing to buy all of the Sabalenka stock and have been an owner ever since, and it's offered delicious returns for me. There's no doubt about that. But again, now Sabalenka's mainstream good. Now she doesn't have to play her best, but as long as she manages a match well, and she has gotten so much better at managing those matches and picking her spots and, again, finding that ability to lock in for the 10 out of 12-point stretch she needs to assert control of a match or, in the case of today, the four-game stretch from two love down in that second set to assert control of the match, Sabalenka is exceptional. She belongs in another Grand Slam semifinal, and as I said from the start, it's a top 30, and it's everyone else. I know Rabakina was no longer in this event. She was forced out due to a virus, but Sabalenka, Sviantek, Rabakina, they're the class of the field. Not necessarily in that order, by the way, and everyone else is chasing them. Now, you know, on the, the flip side, again, for Alina Svitolina, you look at what she's been able to accomplish now, 12-7 and seven overall here through this clay court stretch and through her return of play over these past two months. For her to win the final in Strasbourg in the week co- coming into this French Open and follow that up with a quarterfinal appearance, I mean, she's back up to 73 in the rankings. She's just back in the ball game now and Maybe more than anything else from a level perspective, she'll start to believe again because her level was right there. She was, she had the requisite movement, the requisite rally tolerance to sustain the onslaught that is Arena Sabalenka as an opponent. It was the generating her own pace. It was the making life easy for herself, which is always going to be difficult, by the way, on this surface in particular at Roland Garros. That was where she struggled, but that's always, you know, again, it wasn't a physical issue. It wasn't a mental issue. It was the lack of elite weaponry that, dare I say, plagued Svitolina in her prime as well against the best of the best. That was the issue, not anything else. And I think that's a testament to, again, how quickly Svitolina has progressed and She's going to continue to be around. Again, she's a semifinalist at Wimbledon in the past. We know her prowess on hard courts as well. No reason she can't work her way back, not only into the top 50, but top 35. Could she be seeded at the 2023 Australian Open? If she sustains this level, not only can she be seeded, I would wager that she will be seeded come that event. But that's enough on quarterfinal number one on the day. Again, a 4-4 four and four victory for Sabalenka over Svitolina. Quarterfinal number two, Mukova versus Pavlochenkova. I love Karolina Mukova's game style. I love the slices. I love that ability to take the ball early on the rise, how willing she is moving to move forward and how successful she is at the net. 14 of 16 overall in the day. By the way, 21 winners against 15 unforced errors. Meanwhile, Pavlochenkova, who obviously has elite firepower from the baseline, 16 winners for her, 29 unforced errors. There were slice cross-court passing shots. There were, you know, Mukova was up a break for the majority of this match. She was up a break for the majority of the first set. Now got broken back at 3-2 for 3-all. And Pavlochenkova took a momentary 4-3 and then subsequent 5-4 leads. But again, this match was never in doubt. And that's a credit partially to 
to how aggressive Mukova was in her service games. Pavlichenkova generating just four break points throughout the course of the match. Did break twice, but again, in clay court tennis, four break points is never going to get the job done. Yes, Mukova served well, but to me, where she deserves all the credit in the world was just how well she was hitting the return of serve. And yeah, there was a blip there in the back half of the first set, but every return was inside the baseline. Every return was service line or deeper. Every return was into the outer third. And it just felt like Pavlichenkova had to work so hard, whether it be timing a return of serve of her own perfectly or executing a perfectly placed first serve. And look, she made 71% of her first serves, but short of it being absolutely perfectly placed, Mukova was on top of the rally. Mukova had Pavlichenkova stretched into the outer thirds. Pavs wasn't able to just swing freely, get that ball into the body of Mukova at the frequency with which she would have hoped. And then again, Mukova was so efficient in her own plus one choices and you know, Mukova plus eight in the in the zero to four shot rallies, plus twelve in the shots and rallies that went five shots or further. A testament to how fluid she is in an ath- as an athlete, how well she did when Pavlichenkova did strike a first ball successfully to not only get into the outer thirds and either drive through the ball, but perhaps more impressively, the slices she was throwing in. They had action on them. They dipped low and out of the strike zone of Pavlichenkova. Just again. Pavlichenkova, outside of a three or four game stretch in the middle of set number one, she was never comfortable. She was always on her back foot, always reacting. She was reactive. Mukova was proactive in the shot selection. And look, Carolina Mukova, she's your most underrated player right now in women's tennis. Certainly here in this 2023 season, you look for Carolina Mukova. She's ninth in the points race. Now, she's also up to a new career high of number 19, and given how many injuries the 26-year-old has dealt with over the past few seasons to be back at a new career high right when you are supposed to be in the prime of your career, everything's just recentered and reset, and now she's back where she belongs, and that's a testament, again, to her work ethic both on and off the court. I mean, for Carolina Mukova, though, you don't get to nine in the points race with one good slam result. Yes, it's a semifinal, but... Mukva's 24-7 overall this year. She's gotten wins over Bencic, Vondrusova, Trevisan a couple of times. Azarenka, you know, a Georgie who's been playing pretty well. Sakari, obviously, in the first round of this event. And for her to to beat Pavlichenkova, beg you, you know, she's played five matches. She's only dropped one set. And that was a six-love second set to Nadia Podoroska that she was pretty quickly ready to forget about halfway through. She's looking, you know, ELO rankings-wise, she's been a top 15 player according to the ELO ratings here this season. This result is not unexpected. You know, if I wasn't in the midst of the college grind and I would have done our typical dark horse pods, and I think I even did a mini dark horse rant at the start of the French Open, Mukova would have been at the very top of the list. I mean, you know, again, did she have a dramatically successful clay court season? No Stuttgart, you know, round of 16 in Rome, round of 64 in Madrid, losses to Bedosa and three, Bagu and Straits respectively? No, there's nothing ridiculously impressive about that. And yet we've seen Carolina Mukova do this at the slams before, right? You look for Mukova, who I know lost in three sets, uh, in the Australian Open second round earlier this year, but she's made a semifinal in Australia. She's made a quarterfinal at Wimbledon. Now she's multiple quarterfinals at Wimbledon. 
you know, now she's made uh, a semifinal at Roland Garros as well. And again, back up to her career high of number 19. Last time she was there was 2021. 24 and 7 overall here this season. Has it been the most difficult draw? No, particularly given what Pavlochenkova's of her four victories. I think three of them were in three sets to get to this quarterfinal. Now, but the thing is, she beat her top eight seed in her very first round in Maria Sakkari in straight sets, and everything opened up from there because she opened things up for herself. What's the discernible weakness? Like, if you can play with elite pace into the Mukova forehand, yeah, that's when she starts to have some trouble. And that is where Sabalenka, who's just moving better than Pavlochenkova is right now, she's going to be able to more consistently pepper Mukova with pace in ways that will make Mukova uncomfortable. Mukova is not going to be able to have as clean of rips on the return of serve as she did against Pavlochenkova because that Sabalenka first serve can be so overwhelming. That said, she will have some time. Because these French Open surfaces, regardless of who the opponents or the players on court are, if nothing else, they provide time to all of these players. And so, look, Mukova with her slices, she can get the ball out off center. She can get the ball out of Sabalenka's strike zone. With her willingness to assert herself, not only with her weaponry, but with her court positioning, she can make Sabalenka play defensively, play uncomfortably, get out of rhythm but Sabalenka just has the bigger weapons. Like her best is better than Mukova's best. When just, I mean, again, that's how good Sabalenka is right now. Is regardless of the opponent, unless it's a Sviantek or a Rabakina, she just has to have that benefit of the doubt. And so, that's my preliminary thought, I suppose. Again, a, a ton of credit to Pavlochenkova, who now twelve and ten in her return. But quarterfinals Strasbourg, quarterfinals French Open, uh, she has worked her way back up the rankings all the way. You look now for Pavlochenkova; she's sitting at one twelve, so she'll get wild cards into things, but she'll be able to start getting in on her own soon as well. Working her way back into form, striking the ball confidently, playing confidently, also. Mukova has been this good. This is the signature result she's been waiting for in her comeback tour because the level has been there and now the result is there as well. And so Mukova, Sabalenka, your first semifinal right now. Tennis Abstract 76.2% has Sabalenka as the favorite. We'll talk about that match as well as everything that unfolds in our third and fourth quarterfinals on tomorrow's show. And just a reminder, tomorrow's matches, they're going to be fun. Zverev, of course, taking on Echeverry. You also have Rude, Runa. If you want to hear my thoughts on those two, go check out our men's quarterfinal preview. Of course, you've also got Sviantek Goff, as well as Haddad Maya Jabur. You can hear my thoughts on those in our women's quarterfinal preview. We're going to have coverage each and every day, rest of the way, through this French Open. As we know, it's our job here at Crack Rackets to keep all of you tennis fans up to date on everything that's happening in the tennis world. Of course, the reason we're able to do that is because of the tireless efforts of our super producer Daniel Westoff, who as always has a f- of any job to do day in day out a shout out to him a shout out as well to our dear friends at tennis point before we wrap today's show remember as always tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 for all of the latest and greatest equipment in the tennis world with all of that said for oh and don't reminder be sure to check out part one of today's podcast where Gil Gross and I break down a match I am forecasting as perhaps one of the matches of the decade Carlos Alcaraz, Novak Djokovic, French Open semifinal. How do we get there? What do we think it's going to look like? All those thoughts with Gil Gross on 
our show from earlier today. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Danny Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.